needed. So it truly is a, I should have asked Aaron this maybe, do I have to stand here? I, I move a little bit. Okay, good. Um, it is actually a joy to be here as I was pulling in yesterday after like one of the worst drives of my life um, because the I-90 I was so lovely, wonderfully cleaned, right? But uh, I drove past the Super 8, which is whichever way that is, and I forgot that about 11 years ago I was in this city um, being part of my best friend's wedding because his wife is from Yale. So it, it, was, it was really neat because I've been able to preach at Bethel and now I'm blessed and humbled and honored this morning to be here to preach for you guys. But when Pastor Aaron called me, he, he said three things. Well, maybe he didn't say them, but I interpreted them this way. He said, slow down, because he's heard me preach. So I, uh, I get really excited when I get to preach the Bible, um, and uh, sometimes I get a little fast. He said, don't preach as long as you typically do, so I'll give you a gift. I'm not going to preach for almost an hour, okay? <laughs> My church is used to it. Um, and then the third thing was just to bring an encouraging word to you guys. So that's what I hope and aim to do this morning, um, to keep going and to uh, do the ministry because it's, a, it's, it's neat what just happened, right? It was fun to hear you guys clapping and hooting and hollering. That's what we do at our church. And the Lord, in just four and a half years, has been able uh, to, to graciously uh, grant us with 83 baptisms um, just in four short years. So the Lord is working throughout our MB family. So I'm going to read our text this morning. It's only six verses. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you have a Bible, turn there. Um, otherwise, you can use your, your fake one we, we typically say on your phone. Okay, but... The text says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps this morning you're here and you are, uh, you're tempted to lose heart. Uh, maybe you're coming in here today and you've had all kind of places where um, you've been bruised and broken, um, maybe in this past week or this past uh, month or even this morning. Uh, maybe you're tempted to lose heart, and yet we come to this first verse in our passage today which says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. How can Paul say that, right? Like in the midst of the world we live in, in the midst of lives that we lead, in the midst of even church business and church family, because how many of you have been in the church long enough that, that, that sheep bite sometimes and ministry is messy and it's difficult at times to work with people, right? How can Paul say this? And maybe this morning you're not sure uh, like of what I'm saying, but maybe you live in this blissful existence that, praise the Lord, I am rejoicing with you in that. That is amazing if you're in a great season of life. But let me give you a few things to think about, things um, maybe that will tempt you to lose heart. The first thing is this. Ministry is really hard, okay? And that, when, when I use the word ministry this morning, I don't want you to think like, paid vocational staff and elders, all right? I want you to think of all of, all, each and every single one of you who do ministry on a normal basis, right? Because if you haven't noticed, and I tried to drive around a little bit yesterday when I got into town, like, this is a, a beautiful church, but I have to tell you, it's probably not the flashiest church around, 
okay? That maybe I'm breaking your bubble, but this isn't the biggest church probably in town either. And maybe as an MB family, right, we don't have unending resources at our disposal, and, and we're probably not churches, mine included, right, that Christianity today will ever profile on their covers, even though selfishly I would love to strive for that, right? That we aren't really a flashy group of people, praise God, but ministry is hard, okay? There's a second reason that might tempt us to be discouraged, and it's not so much what we're doing, but maybe it's what we aren't doing, um, but it has to do with what's happening to us, okay? And we'll read this in our text. That we're all under attack, that we're in a war, that we're all in a spiritual war, that we just heard three testimonies of, of young men who have, have been in a war, who have lived in a, in a spiritual war. And, and it was great when, when our first baptismal person, right, said, you know, it got worse that first week, right? Because those of us that are Christians know that it's not like it gets easier when you become on Satan's radar, okay? That this passage gets at the ordinariness, the non-flashiness of ministry. And I love that about this passage because it has so much more to say about the war that we find ourselves in, that we have a real enemy church who really, really hates us, okay? And he really, really hates the Savior that we love. That we have an enemy who really, really wants us to suffer so that we can become distracted from worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know from this text in verse 4 that he's the God of this world and his name is, is the devil, is Satan. Now, maybe this year... Again, you've had a wonderful year, and we want to rejoice with you in that. But I know a lot of people are coming off of very, very difficult years, years that have been marked by suffering and conflict and sin and anger and anguish, right? Years where you've had to say goodbye to very dear people in your life, very difficult funerals to attend, people that you, you, you've loved who have been called away to some other work, some other path, some other city. That Those things are very hard, and in the midst of those things, it can be very tempting uh, to lose heart. That you, you may actually be in a season this morning that you would just prefer to lose heart. So how then does Paul have this audacity to tell suffering people like us to not lose heart? Like how can he say that? So as we consider who we are this morning and what we're planning to do, I want to remind you one thing about the gospel. And here's the, the big idea this morning if you take nothing else away. We do not lose heart in the gospel because of the power of the gospel. All right? That the gospel is self-authenticating, it's unashamedly self-renewing, and it's self-demonstrating. That it has power sufficient for itself in the messes that we proclaim because we worship a great Savior who has a great gospel, and his name is Jesus. All right? That we're going to see three points. I, I grew up a, a good Baptist kid, and I, as Aaron said, Pastor Aaron, he said, I went to Bethel Seminary, which is technically a, ba a Baptist seminary. Um, but... I don't usually use points, let alone slides, so I tried to make some, some three points for you guys, all right? And again, I'm going to reiterate what I've already said, but the first one is we have a plain ministry, okay? Let's just look at the first two verses again. Paul describes it right for us. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Church, sometimes when we get in the middle of ministry, okay, and, and things that we, are, we say aren't landing with the impact we think or we hope for or the things that we pray, they're not quite getting answered uh, according to our time frame, our hopes, our needs, our will, then we wonder, why has God even given us this ministry, right? Why has he put us in these relationships? Why has he brought these people with all their problems into our lives? You may be asking yourself this morning, is it because God's cruel? 
is it because God wants to burden me and to knock me down? And the simple answer is no, it's not. That Paul says the ministry that we have is from the mercy of God. That everything in our lives from first to last comes from God's mercy towards us. That his grace towards us, it's his unmerited favor. That this, this isn't a burden that you've been given this morning if you're in a season where ministry is hard. It's a mercy that God, the most high God on his throne out of his love and his grace towards you has given you as a free gift. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not what? Lose heart. Okay? That if anyone had a reason to lose heart, it would probably this, be this guy, the Apostle Paul. And yet he says, we do not lose heart. And there's encouragement in that, right? Because he didn't say myself, he didn't say you. What did he say? We, because as, as Team Jesus, right, we're in this together. Okay? That he goes on to talk about the plainness and again the ordinariness of the ministry that we've all been entrusted with. That in verse 2 he says, we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. May this church and my church and our MB family and, and all the faithful Bible teaching churches that you know of, may we, may we never shy away from teaching what it actually says in here. No matter how many people we lose from our church, no matter how many people don't watch us, no matter how many emails Pastor, poor Pastor Aaron gets, you should pray for him, okay? Because I know he gets some. Because in verse 3 to 4, we're going to see Paul, and he's going to alert our eyes to the fact that we are not even in a fair fight. We need to go into that soberly with our eyes wide open and we need to recognize that our enemy is willing to do whatever it takes even to bring in the disgraceful, underhanded ways to oppose our ministry. And Paul says this, he says, nevertheless, though we face an unfair fight, you know what we're called to fight fair with? The gospel of Jesus. That it's okay to have a plain ministry. That it's okay, like my, myself, right, we went from my basement to a Seventh-day Adventist church building that could only hold about 70 to, not even joking, a, a garage, basically, that we had to turn into a church that only held 100, so we had to turn the lobby into overflow, okay? And now to have a plain ministry of being in a 133-year-old building. I want you to see that because I walked into this church and I was like, I had to check myself at the door, right? Because it was like, wow, right? Things aren't falling apart, Right? But when we fight with the gospel, you know what God's doing in my church and in your church and in all, a lot of other churches in, in our family? He's growing it because we're fighting fair with the gospel. And people are coming to faith and they're getting baptized. And, and, and even, I, I know I was talking to Pastor Aaron yesterday and he said it's happening here and it's, it's actually happening a lot in, in my church as well. You would think with a 38-year-old pastor that we'd be getting a bunch of like 35 to 45-ish people, okay? Statistics show COVID kind of weeded them off and, and they, don't, they don't want to come back. But we are seeing a massive influx of 60 plus because all they want to do is come to church and hear the Bible talk. It's fantastic, right? We fight fair with the gospel. Paul says we refuse to practice cunning ways, right? That's, that's why like, we don't hand out grills on Father's Day and try to get them in because they would win the grill. And then where, where would they be the next Sunday? At home using the grill, right? <laughs> So we refuse to practice cunning. We don't trick people. We don't coerce people. We don't bend the truth to get people to think like, that we, we would like them so much that we don't mind if they come to church. And we'll just let you stay as you are. And especially in our culture, that means you can stay in your sin. It's no big deal. That we have to refuse to manipulate people. And we need to refuse to manipulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we have to refuse, as Paul says, to practice cunning or to tamper with God's words. We cannot manipulate the message of Jesus. Instead, 
By open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves, Paul says, to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. That's all we have, right? That's the only tool in our tool chest to openly put forward the word of God towards people. That openly stating the truth and commending that, that everyone's conscience is in, in the sight of God is wrong and that that's plain and that's ordinary and that's not flashy, right? That calling people dirty, rotten sinners and who need Jesus, that's not very attractional. People don't like hearing that. But on the other side is the great news of the gospel of Jesus that you don't have to stay there. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, that this is the, the world's estimation, right? Fundamentally, as a weak ministry, the gospel is not strong, uh, it's not powerful, it, it is weak in the eyes of the world. And, and those of you trying to reach your neighbors or your coworkers or your friends at school, you, you can attest to the world thinking the message of Jesus that we preach is foolish and silly. But of course, we know that the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That externally, we even may at times think it is weak. But here's, here's, the, here's the amazing thing. What God says is that the gospel is the power to save sinners. That's great news. Like, one of the core distinctives that we have, one of the, one of the reasons a guy like me who is a non-denominational type guy, which, which Pastor Aaron and I were joking, that just essentially means you're a Baptist. But, like, it, it's true. But... One of the distinctives of the, my, this, my new MB family five years ago is that we're Bible people. Like, we just like to open the Bible. That, that's, this is one of the greatest treasures we've been blessed with. And we don't have to manipulate the message, and we definitely don't need to man, manipulate people. And if we have, we at least need to repent of some of the things that we do. But we simply and plainly put forward God's word to people. That's all we do. And then we pray that, that like, the word will take seed, it'll take root in the heart and the minds and the lives of people, and then the harvest comes, and then the fruit comes, and then we see more baptisms, and I pray that for you. I hope you see many, many more baptisms this year. That's why we want to keep moving forward in 2023. Too many churches are retreating because how many of you know the last couple years in this thing called COVID, it was really hard, okay? And a lot of churches are just trying to... And, and maybe re regain ground, but at our church at least, we're like, no, we're taking more. Like, our church, I would invite any of you to come ever, ever, if you'd ever want to. But the Lord has positioned us literally in the heart of downtown Owatonna, that thousands and thousands of people walk and drive past our building every single day. And I was just talking to Pastor Aaron about uh, even just this city. And ours is about double yours, so we're about 30,000. And one of the things when we started Redemption was the, the great line I always get, because this is our third church plant, is why do we need another church? Clearly, we're not reaching 30,000 people, are we? In fact, Owatonna has 23 churches, which Huron beats us, and again, that's crazy. But I would argue most of them are sick and dying, Okay that I would argue that most of them are, ret are retreating or trying to regain ground, and they're not trying to take more ground for the kingdom of Jesus, right? So we have a plain ministry. And, and while some might look upon that as a cause to lo lose heart, again, Paul acknowledges us, and he says simply this, plainness is the reason we should not lose heart. I'm going to try to keep my eye on the time. I promise you can do one of these. Secondly, Look at verse 3 and 4, because we do have an enemy. And it's not just any 
persuasive enemy, right? It's an enemy, it's a persuasive enemy who fights dirty, okay? Look at what Paul says. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus Christ is the image of God. My church has been going through the gospel of John for almost a year now. We're just doing it verse by verse, uh, kind of crazy, and I know you guys just went through a little bit of, the, of John. But that's in chapter 1 of John, right? Jesus is over and over in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. He's, he's trying to tell the religious leaders, I'm, I'm God, right? And I want you to notice this, because the, the tenderness with which Paul talks about for those who don't believe, and that may be you this morning, that I want you to see probably the greatest theologian of all time, right, apart from the Lord Jesus himself, is, is actually being pretty tender to those who don't believe. That he doesn't despise them, he doesn't demean them, he doesn't, uh, you know, throw rocks at them. He doesn't hold himself up and say he's better than them. You know what he does? He pities them. Okay. Th that he recognizes that he sees the glory of the gospel for all it is. But he remembers that there was a time when he himself did not see the glory of the gospel. But for the grace of God, right, we would not see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ either. That's, 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 that's grace for our souls, church. That Paul doesn't look at the unbelievers, and neither should we, and say that they're the enemy, okay? That Paul recognizes that we have an actual enemy who is blinding their minds to this. That that's what he says in verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And I, I've been there, so I know some of you do this. You, you, like, you do this shotgun approach where like, you have this friend or coworker or family member who, who's sinning, and you come and you just like, take this and you use it as a gun, and you just like, bang them over the head, right? Because, because they don't understand what it says. It's because of what Paul is telling us in verse 4. That even though it's, it's really hard for some of us, especially those of us raised in the church because it's been like, ingrained in us, but they don't understand this. Okay? That's actually encouraging news. Because if we simply know and believe that the, the gospel has power, we know that, and we believe that the power of the gospel can turn their heart from stone into flesh. Now, you may be familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, right? And what's the first question? I ask questions. I, for, I, I should have warned you before I do that, right? And what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Let's stop for a second and flip this verse, this, this catechism on its, on its side. What's the chief end of Satan? Like, what is Satan, uh, what's he trying to get at? The chief end of Satan is to deny God of his rightful glory by preventing people from enjoying him forever. That's what Satan's trying to do. That's what Satan is even trying to do in the life of a believer, okay? I'll say it again. Satan, his chief end is to deny God of his rightful glory by preventing people from enjoying him forever. Satan is preventing unbelievers from seeing the truth of the gospel. That, that he's not doing this by openly even oppressing the truth because he, he has an equally valid truth claim, right? Instead, he's manipulating people and he's manipulating the message of the gospel, 
He does this all the time, right? He's twisting God's word to keep people from seeing the glory of Christ, the image of God. Right? Satan did this back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. He manipulated Eve and twisted God's word. Satan tried to do the exact same thing to the Lord Jesus when he tempted him. He tried to manipulate Jesus' hunger by turning stones into bread and, and twist God's word by trying to get Jesus to, to throw himself off the cliff and, and bow down to Satan by quoting scripture to him. But the Lord Jesus saw through Satan's lies and he saw that he was manipulating him and he was manipulating God's word and he refused to have it. So if he did not, so, so, so he did not succumb to the temptation. Because of that, I need to remind you what a great, sinless Savior we have. He's wonderful, right? And that, that's why he's one of the, the, the one we preach and the one we proclaim as we pray that people will see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Easter in a couple weeks, and I hope you guys are excited for that because we have a powerful gospel. And I don't want you to retreat. I want us together as sister churches, right, to move forward and to continue to take ground. Because even if you believe me or not, I'm going to tell you something. People are hungry and they're thirsty for the good news of Jesus Christ. They are. And so many times, you know whose fault it is that they don't hear it? Ours, right? Because we don't open our mouth. And we, we, we don't proclaim the good news of Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. And, and maybe I would just encourage you. You just need to start reading your Bible more and, and start praying, right? So we have a persuasive enemy that we're facing. And as cunning as he is, right, as cunning as our culture is, again, we must not lose heart. We have to realize that this lost world, okay, is, is, is they don't know what they're rejecting. And so many times you don't, you, you, we don't share our faith because they, we think they're rejecting us and they're not. They're ultimately rejecting the Lord Jesus, but, but honestly, they just don't even know what they're rejecting. That they don't understand that the wrath of God, right, is being stored up for them because of their sin. That they have no conception of what it would mean to spend an eternity in hell away from God for simply like rebellion and sin. And more than that, as Paul has reminded us, they don't know what they're missing in the beauty of the glory of Christ. They're blinded to it. So Paul, as he writes in Romans I want to encourage you with this. How will they know unless someone tells them? Okay? That is our mission. We are called to tell people about the gospel of Jesus. I say this all the time at my church for my people. If we say Jesus is our king, what are you supposed to do when the king tells you to do something? Do it, right? Otherwise, he could cut your head off, okay? And what did the Lord Jesus tell us to do right before he went back to his throne? Go and make disciples. Okay? Romans 10. How will they know unless someone tells them? We do not lose heart in the gospel because of the power of, gospel, of the gospel, right? We, we would quit. The, like, unless we thought the gospel was wonderful and all-encompassing and so heart-captivating and so soul-lifting... Some of you just need to be reminded that that, that that is the gospel, that it's good news for the sinner, it's good news for, for those who are perishing, that we have a powerful gospel. 
We do. We're God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are working together to bring, as we saw, I was so excited when I knew it was Baptism Sunday, because again, that's kind of like, that's our thing, right? But like, they're working together to bring sinners out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom there is redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And we see this. Look at verse 5, point number 3. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I was thinking about that this morning when I was laying in bed trying to wake up. Isn't it wonderful to be a servant of Jesus's? Like, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can you just picture that for a moment if you're, if you're a believer this morning? There will be a day when our faith will become sight. There will be a day when we will take our last breath, breath and close our eyes. And, and do you know the first person that we're going to see? Jesus, right? That the message have of Jesus Christ as the Lord, right? The one who is the Lord of the heaven and the earth, the one who came into this world, took upon himself a human nature, was born in humility, was born in poverty to a virgin. Her name was Mary. That the, there, there's this, Jesus is the one who lived obediently to every bit of the law, dying ultimately on the cross because of our sin, not his own sin, and he died in our, own pla- in, in our place. That the one who is risen from the dead on the third day now sits at the right hand of his father, this is the one, the, the, the one we call Lord. His name is Jesus. That's why we proclaim Jesus. Paul says the same God who spoke light into existence when nothing was around, right? The same God who said, let there be light, let the light shine out of the darkness, that that same created, like creative God by the power of the word of the Father is still speaking, that the Father speaks and sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of unbelievers and causes light to burst through the veils of our eyes so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. This is yet again why we don't lose heart. Because I need to remind you that the Almighty God is working Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to ensure that our ministry, however plain it may be, is to be effective. That even in the face of the culture that we live in now, how many of you think it's getting better or worse? Not a trick question, okay? No matter how persuasive, no matter how dirty the tactics are, you know what ministry will prevail? The ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. It's not because of us but because of the Lord Jesus, whom the Father sends forth, right, and pours out his Holy Spirit so that we might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Understand that little phrase, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Bethesda Church, that's your, that's your hope. Like, you will gaze upon his glory, and this invisible glory of God in the face of, the, of, of Jesus will finally be realized. That, that fully God, fully man forever, and you know what? That will never get old. That for all of eternity, we will gaze on the glory of God radiated through the face of Jesus. The glory of the Lord Jesus will never fade away. I need to ask you this morning, Will, 
I'll call you to, to potentially salvation this morning, but I need to ask if you believe in the gospel, if you believe in this Lord Jesus Christ that I'm talking about, because we do have a plain, ordinary ministry, but I want to encourage you this morning to embrace it. That God has given each and every one of us all that we need pertaining to life and godliness in the word and in prayer and in the sacraments. That God has given us everything. So in worship, when we gather, right, we read the scriptures. That we have the simple declaration of reading the word of God. That's good news. Because it is through the word of God that people come to know the Lord Jesus. Lean into that, church. Spend time listening to the scriptures, even on your own. Because it's so easy, especially in the, the comforts of the United States, where we are fairly affluent, right? To think that we don't really have any problems that can't be solved with our wallets. Or, or that can't be solved with fill in the blank, whatever you think this morning can solve your problems in this world and in this life. Because we are facing a battle, a spiritual battle where our enemy is, is conspiring to keep God from his rightful glory by keeping us from seeing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That our theology helps us to realize and see this for what it is and to recognize the war and the battle that is going on around us. To recognize the work that needs to happen is something only God can overcome. Therefore, we need to be not just devoted to work that we're doing, hoping that if we just work hard enough or have the right doctrine and have the right information that, that that will fix things. We also do need to be a people devoted to prayer. When was the last time you prayed for someone that you want to meet the Lord Jesus? When's the last time maybe you prayed uh, for yourself to, to understand what this guy's talking about? Maybe you need to seek what the Lord will do through prayer Pastor Aaron, I know would echo me, but th there is so much power in prayer. That I, 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 want, I want this for you. I want each of you to get on your knees and, and pray and, and ask for a, you know, I know this is a buzzword right now, but ask for a revival of sorts in this city. That I believe that can happen, right? That I believe it is happening. Like in churches, it is happening, right? Let me give you a few examples. We, we had this guy come a few weeks ago, right? Hadn't been to church in like 20 years. Heard this, this crazy guy yelling at him. I'm trying not to yell at you guys as much as I typically do, right? But, and he heard the message of the gospel. And he met Jesus, just as, as we saw from these guys here. And a few weeks ago, we baptized him, right? And, and I can give you story after story. And, and you know what? It has nothing to do with me. And honestly, it doesn't even have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with this. The power of the gospel, that Jesus Christ loves the city of Huron more than you do, right? That Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to do a work here through, this, through these people, through you. Like, are you praying that God will reach the lost and draw him to himself through the proclamation of the gospel? That's what we should be desiring more than anything. Are you praying for, for our church planters that are going, I know some churches don't even like that word, but they're going into new places to try to establish new outposts of the kingdom of God to proclaim his glory to people who haven't yet heard? Are you praying for opportunities in your own life to share the gospel? Because the only way we will succeed in ministry together is if God himself is in it. It's really easy to do ministry on your own. Ask any pastor that's honest, okay? But we have to develop 
and cultivate for our entire life, no matter how many years or months or days the Lord gives us, a love for the Lord Jesus, a love that pushes out, a love that we have, like we have for worldly things. It was encouraging during the break or whatever. I was looking at all the missionaries and I was just telling Pastor Aaron, like, we're working on our first one. I can't wait to have many more, right? Church plants, sometimes we're a little slower to the game on certain things because we're trying to like grow the church, okay? But are you, are, do you want and desire a love that recognizes that as we come to study the Bible, we're not just trying to cram information into our heads, that we're asking that God will help us to see even more, more and more every day, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it isn't merely about facts. And study is important, right? Your pastor is one of the smartest guys I know, okay? Study is important. And, but it's not merely even about working our way up into like this emotional frenzy. There are whole denominations that that's all they care about is, is acting crazy, right? But our emotions do need to be involved in this. Okay, we're a very conservative town like I'm imagining this church is. And it has taken a, four and a half years to get a couple of these and to get even an amen, right? But emotions need to be involved, Okay. That you cannot love the Lord Jesus, I tell the church this all the time, in a cold, disinterested, arm's length way. That if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you'll do anything he says, you'll give everything for his kingdom. Because as we seek to reach others and as we seek to know like Christ, brothers and sisters, do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. We have a plain ministry. We, it, we, we do. But it's by the mercy of God. And I know we have a persuasive enemy, but guess what? We have an even more powerful gospel from a glorious and powerful God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, .org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.